0: You're listening to the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast.
1: Oh, Scotland going for an M in! He's done it again! James McFadden scores for Scotland! France are stunned and Scotland lead in Paris!
0: Hello and welcome to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast. Yes, we're back this week after a hiatus of a week. Um, glad to be back in your airwaves and for this week I'm joined by Lewis Burrow. Hello Lewis. You're right, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um glad to have you on.
1: Cheers, I glad to be here. Glad to be on after yet another Muller will win becoming something a habit. <laughs> we
0: will get on to that in due course, and of course, our other Panelist tonight is Callum Fisher, the slightly nervous Callum Fisher. Fisher? Good, good,
2: good <laughs> evening. I'm never nervous, always <clears throat> prepared.
0: Mm. Despite your uh, intentions on social networking apps.
2: <laughs> that, that makes me sound about Michael Jackson, innit? Mm, skullduggery of the highest order. <laughs> um. But we will get on to that
0: and much more. I think the first place we should start was the Friday night game. Fisher, um, Hibs won, Rangers won. I will ask your opinion on the game before I touch on my sort of points that I've highlighted. What did you, you make of the game? As missed opportunity for Rangers.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought first half we were at, we were very very good. We moved the ball uh, very well. We were just a wee bit slack in the final third, and obviously that would then come back to haunt us in the second half. I was actually sitting at half-time thinking that's the easiest game we've had against Hibs, particularly at Easter Road for a Mm. long, long time, Um, and then second half, I I always expected Hibs would improve, as you tend to see when when teams play as poorly as they did in the first half, in the second half, we we didn't really, we never really got back into it in the sense of we never hit our stride really again in the game, Um, McGregor's pulled off a couple of good saves. to pretty much stop Hubs from winning, to be honest, and it was really, really disappointing because I felt like we really showed how good we can be as a team in the second, sorry, in the first half, um, and then in the second half we just we let ourselves down again, and yeah, it's disappointing particularly then of course for Celtic to go and drop points on Saturday, um, it's just, it's really, really frustrating, that, that was the thing, it wasn't really anger on Friday night after the game, it was just frustration, um, and a pretty good indicator of why we won't win the league this season.
0: Well, mm, I have noted down here. Uh, is that the title race done, if ever there was one?
2: Well, I would have said yes. I, well, I thought that the title was gone uh, when we dropped points to St Johnston, and then with Rogers leaving Celtic, you're kind of thinking we'll, we'll see how Celtic respond. I don't think Celtic have been particularly great um, under Lennon so far, but I thought uh, coming out of the game under after on oh, sorry on Friday night. Um, I thought, ah, that's it, gone then, there's no way we can pull it back and then obviously Celtic go and drop points. I I Don't get me wrong, I think we can certainly put pressure on Celtic, but the, the reality is we're not, we're not consistent enough um, to really put ourselves in a good enough position to win the league with nine games to go. Um, it would be just like the thing, to be honest, to to beat Celtic in the remaining old-firm games and then drop points to the other teams. We do have quite a difficult run in. Um, but it's just, it's really, really frustrating. But I would, I would probably say, even though with Celtic dropping points, you know, we're, we're still the same position as we were prior to, to the games at the weekend. But I just don't think there's enough time and I don't think we've got enough consistency to mount a proper title challenge. Do
0: you think it would be fair to suggest that, I don't know, from watching Rangers this season, it always seems like they have one really brilliant half. Um, whether that's first or second half where they look like a proper team that could sort of, Push Celtic um, and steamroller teams, and while they have done that on several occasions, from what I've seen of Rangers this season, it always seems like they're inconsistent even within their own games. In terms of, as you've seen at the weekend, first half was brilliant, um, and obviously Hibbs came into it a wee bit more. They couldn't played much worse, but Rangers couldn't sort of maintain that sort of level of intensity.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you saw it yourself, obviously, the cup game prior to Hibs. We were absolutely terrible in the first half and then really, really good uh, in the second and it just kind of flipped round on Friday night. I would definitely agree with that. I think there's been too many times, even if we've gone on to win the game, um, there's been too many times whereby we'll have one half where we're not really at it and then we'll either come out in the second half and pretty much win the game uh, either with our reaction or kind of just take just kind of realizing right we we should be winning these these games we need to step it up um or we'll blow a team away in the first half and then the second half we just kind of we just kind of come it's almost as if we come out because we have to um there's just all the kind of urgency um, the tempo and the pace and things like that drops out of our game again so it can be there's been quite a few um, games at Ibrox where one half has just been absolutely turgid and the other half has been you know, superb to watch. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of inconsistency is probably the word for our season, to be honest. We, we, As you said, we look really, really good sometimes and we look like a team. We certainly look like a team, um, if, you, if you even go back to the Old Firm game in December, that looked like a Rangers team that definitely could challenge for the title. And then you go on to the next game after the winter break against Kilmarnock and that looks like a Rangers team that's nowhere near. The title. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah, there's just far too much inconsistency, and it's unfortunate because I, I don't think the Celtic team, uh, with Rodgers or with Lennon, um, was anything great. Good players, obviously, and they've done the business um, for the you know, for the past however many seasons it is now, um, particularly recently under Brendan Rodgers. But I, I always felt they were there to be got at this season, and we've just shot ourselves in the foot time and time again.
0: What do you put the inconsistency down to? Do you think the players perhaps just aren't good enough for a title race? Or do you think it's a case of complacency? What What would you put your finger on it being?
2: I would probably say complacency. I definitely think we've got the players in there to win the league. I think um, for pretty much every position you can make a claim. That, or you could certainly have a debate uh, that, that they're the best in their position in the league if you go from McGregor to Avenir, the two centre-halves, uh, okay, maybe not Baris, it's our holiday, you know, midfielders, and then obviously Morelos up front, Kent out wide. So we do have the players, we've got some really, really good players, um, and when it all clicks together, we, I honestly feel like we could beat anybody um, in the league in our day. It's just, I just think we're slack sometimes. I think we take, sometimes we take a while to get into games. Um, and I also think it's obviously a team that's not really used to to competing or it's players that aren't necessarily used to competing for, for trophies um, at the level that's expected at Rangers and I think that will come over time. I think Gerard's by far and away the right guy to, to get us the title and to win things um, going forward. Um, but I think it's just uh, just a case of we're, we're almost there and we are on the right track but we're just not there um, yet in terms of teams that win the title. Can have can play really really poorly and have off days, um, and still get the job done. Celtic have done that on numerous occasions this season, um, and and obviously I've seen Rangers teams do it in the past as well. We just I don't think we're quite good enough to do that. Um, I think we really do need to be playing our best most weeks, um, in order to to win games, mm. um, and I don't think you can win titles like that. Um, you're kind of seeing something. Sort of similar with Liverpool down south, whereby, you know, they've got players there that, that aren't used to the intensity of a title race, and we're kind of like that. The problem is, um, we've never really put ourselves in, a con- or we've not been consistent enough to put ourselves in a pro- in proper contention for the title. Obviously, coming out of the Old Firm game, we were level on points, and as I said, we, we then shot ourselves in the foot straight after the winter break, so we keep kind of, and obviously we went top of the league against Hearts, and then again dropped points, so um, yeah, it's inconsistency, and it. I just don't think we're quite there yet in terms of we've got really good players, and this is certainly the best Rangers team for a good while. Um, but I think come the summer there are issues we're going to have to address. I think, to be honest, if we can cash in on Morelos, oh, fingers crossed. You're looking at kind of upwards of fifteen to twenty million, that which would be ideal. Um, Obviously, I don't want him to go. I think he's a fantastic player, but it might just take that kind of that transfer fee and then that reinvestment because I'm fairly confident Gerard would get the majority of the transfer fee to use. Um, it might just take that kind of money to reinvest in other areas of the squad um, and to really strengthen the squad that will maybe push us on. As good a player as Morelos is, um, we do need... Um, we do need more quality in other areas and the same can be said for, for somebody like Tavernier who's twenty seven now, we bought him for two hundred grand when Warburton came in, he's gonna make us a healthy profit. Do we look at potentially getting eight to nine million for Tavernier and then reinvesting it in more quality players throughout the squad? Um or do we do we keep, you know, one or one or two really, really top players um, and see what we can do with. Obviously, I don't think we'll have a limited budget next summer, but not as big a budget as we would have if we can rake in, you know, upwards of twenty million for, for two of our key players. So we'll wait and see. As I say, I still think we're very much on the right track. Um, it's just been a bit disappointing to see again that we've we've we failed to take our chances. Um, because I, personally, we should have we should have three wins from three against tabs, and, and it's really frustrating that we don't.
0: Mm. Uh, obviously, Morelos signed a new deal during the week till twenty twenty two. Is that right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Four years, yeah. Um, whether that's just to get a wee bit more extra cash in the summer, or whether the season ticket sales are coming around soon enough. Um, wait and see. But and I wanted to ask you about Defoe in terms of his involvement in the site because obviously we're assuming Rangers will be paying a pretty reasonable sum for him. Yeah. Personally I thought that he might have had a bigger part to play. Even with Morellus's form, probably I would have expected him to see a bit more. What what do you make of that bit of business in terms of obviously spending that kind of money on a player who's sitting on the bench?
2: Yeah. Um well I don't think anybody thought that the was gonna come in and um suddenly start ahead of Morelos. Morelos is, is our best player, if not the best player in the league. Um and he is so key to how we play. I think Defoe has shown why we brought him in. Obviously he's he's he has chipped in with a couple of important goals. The problem for me is I don't think firstly I don't think Morelos works with any strike partner. I just don't think he's right. a player that you get the best out of him mm-hmm. as as a kind of lone striker or the one in the, the kind of th- the front three if you like. Um, and secondly, I don't think Defoe works as just the one and the three. Sometimes with how we play, we've been very, very, it's very, very strange that whenever Defoe seems to be, um, seems to have started or came on or Morelos isn't playing and Defoe's playing ahead of him, um, then we seem to still try, it seems to be like we don't really know how to play with anybody other than Morelos up front and it's long balls, I get the guy that, you know, the foe's never gonna win mm. the majority of long balls. Um he's a penalty box poacher, particularly at thirty six when although he's still very quick, he's not as quick as he once was. Um I think he's good to have around the squad. I think he'll be very he'll be helping like somebody else and the kind of younger players along, um in terms of not only um in terms of football skills and, and things like that but also just how to look after themselves professionally and stuff like that because obviously to still be playing at this level at 36 um, it's clear that he takes care of himself I I, I was excited about the full coming in but I never really thought I was never one of these guys that's like oh he'll he'll score goals for fun up here if you like Um, I always thought he would kind of be a bit part player and we needed to kind of temper expectations the same with Davis as well temper expectations because we're getting a guy that's coming towards the end of his career that hasn't played in Scotland before has obviously played at a very very high level down south but we've seen it with god there's countless examples even at Rangers recently of players that have done well down south and then it just doesn't work up here so has Davis kind of disappointed
1: um, you about Fisher since he came up with him in particular?
2: eh uh, a little bit yeah I'd say I just he, he, he doesn't he doesn't look like he's got much confidence and if I'll be honest he looks a little bit off the pace aye Um. again I was never one of these people that thought oh the missing link is Stephen Davis don't get me wrong he's a good option to have but that Steven Davis in twenty nineteen, not Steven Davis in two thousand eleven, um, and I think a lot of people. I don't think many people thought they were getting him back, but I don't think people maybe anticipated um, the kind of player he is now. Mm. He looks like he prefers playing a lot deeper. He doesn't, you know, kind of run into the final third as much as he used to. Um, he's actually he's not really done much in it. If I if I've got to be honest, the feeling I have is um, in the summer it's going to be between Davis and and Dorans in terms of the two of them who who we keep mm-hmm. uh, and at the moment just from what I can gather from Gerard, just the way Gerard speaks about Dorans and things like that I think he, he at the moment unless Davis is a really strong end to the season and um, I think he'll keep Dorans personally uh, Davis is only here until the summer at the moment and I don't there isn't he's not done anything we're, we're kind of coming into the middle of March he's been here since the start of January and he hasn't really done anything and that's not easy to take Matt because I've, I I love Stephen Davis when he was here before he was a fantastic player really really underappreciated wasn't a particularly great captain when he when he was made captain in my opinion but still a really a quality player um, and it's just it's just not the same Stephen Davis and to be honest at this point I really wouldn't be fussed about him um, not being signed in the summer but Defoe I think Defoe has shown why he's here I think he's done well so far. Uh, it's just a bit maybe a bit of a, a strange opinion, but if we are sticking with the 4-3-3 um, in games where if Morelos is obviously suspended or injured or whatever, uh, it's, it's a weird one, but I'd rather go with Lafferty if if we don't change the way we play, because although Lafferty hasn't been amazing so far, I don't think he's been as poor as people like to make out. Um, I think he's a striker that... Um, Needs consistent game time, which is difficult, as I say, when you've got Morelos. But I think Lafferty's, as I say, if we play the kind of long balls, he's more likely to bring the ball down and he's better at bringing other players into play. Um, And he's just more of a physical presence as well. Plus the fact he's like, you know, he's he's a lot taller than uh, Defoe as well. So I think I'm more than happy with how Defoe's done. I never expected him to play quite as much anyway. I did expect him kind of what you saw at. at, uh, uh, Aberdeen to kind of come on and, and, and seal the game for us Those kind of goals He's a fantastic option to have And we're certainly better off Than we were pre-January Without him Um but I would, uh, I would say Davis has been a bit of a disappointment so far.
0: Um, final note on Rangers, just to kind of get a wee bit of a reaction out of you. Um, is that a <laughs> foul on the build-up to Hibbs' equaliser?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ref was awful. Like, I, you, you saw it in the group chat. I just think he's just the Stephen McLean. It's just, I agree. it's not, it's not, it's not just Rangers games because speak to to you guys, speak yeah. to the fans of other clubs. He's awful. Like he's really, really bad. There's a foul on the build-up Darren McGregor should have been sent off in my opinion, David Gray should have been off the park as well, we should have had a penalty in the first half and Morelos, which I suppose this isn't really Steve McLean's fault, but Morelos is ruled offside when he's going through on goal, when he's on so yeah, not a good night for the official, uh, any of the officials to be honest, and it's just that uh, I'm i fed up with talking about referees and I'm certainly not one of these people that thinks that there's some sort of agenda against Rangers from referees, I just think they're all shit, to be yeah. honest Um, and it's not exactly an out there um, opinion to have if you think that Stephen McLean's a terrible, terrible referee Um, but yeah, we we don't have anybody to blame for Friday, incidentally the referee was not the reason we dropped points, the fact that we couldn't kill the game off um, was the reason we dropped points but certainly Stephen McLean didn't help Hmm. Uh, We'll not
0: dwell on referees because I think everybody knows everyone's opinions on them Lewis um, Hibbs Apart from the Celtic game, uh, results-wise, they've looked relatively solid since Heckingbottom's come in, haven't they?
1: They have. I uh, obviously, looking at it from my own perspective, I was uh, hoping that Heckingbottom maybe wouldn't come in and uh, got off to such a flyer because we are looking to get above them into the top six. But no, they've uh, they've looked pretty solid. They've definitely looked. Uh, they've definitely looked a, a wee bit better from their sort of latter days there under under Neil Lennon and uh, I think what do you call him? Like, uh, Eddie May as well? They've definitely. They've definitely looked a wee bit. <laughs> A we wee bit better going I know you'd kind of forgot about him there, hadn't you? Uh, they've, they've looked a wee bit better going forward. They were, they were in my mind, a, a right disappointment against Celtic in the Cup. I mean, you, you looked at that with the week Celtic had had at the time, and you saw them going to Easter Road the Saturday night in the Cup. It was built up all week, and I thought they really, really were a disappointment. Celtic absolutely ran the midfield that night, and I think maybe maybe you saw a wee bit of Heckenbottom's naivety almost towards Scottish football. It, it just kind of... I treated Celtic a wee bit just like any other team, whereas sometimes you need to set up a wee bit I know you're at home and it's a cup tie and you want to take the game to them, but uh, a kinda it it could maybe have been doing maybe just been a wee bit less gung ho that night I felt so that I that was a disappointment, but except for that i has got them got them off to a really strong start. Um it's it's not a game against them next week that I feel particularly confident of us going to either. Uh, so they've got they've a good opportunity there as well. If they beat us, they'll be five points clear, inside the top six. And I think I think once they had all this sort of drama, when you're learning, and everything was a sack did the design, whatever, I think if you'd offered any Hibs fan to be sitting, p- potentially, next Sunday night, five points clear within the top six, because they were languishing to about eighth, I think, in the league. So I think, yeah, there's sort a of short term aim for Hibs this season, be to finish up in the top six, Get heck, let Heckenbottom get some of his own players in in the summer, get players out, rebuild, then they'll be back next year looking for Europe and all the rest of it, and it, it, it does look probably like they're going to be up there in the top six.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the, the top six battle, we will move on to Motherwell 3, now. 0. Uh, you might feel like we've missed, uh, if you're listening to this, a uh, sort of big talking point from this game, but if you're not, we will come on to uh, fans um, and players uh, later on um, so M- Motherwell 3 Ack is nil Lewis you were at this one I was uh, pretty indicative of Motherwell's situation at the minute that is hasty and Turnbull on the score sheet really isn't it yeah
1: they've, they've been an absolute breath of fresh air since they came into our team both of them they're just they're just so full of energy they don't, they don't look like young players at all I mean very often the phrase when a young player comes through is that oh well they're not the finished article, and they've still got a lot to work on, and all the rest of it. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Well, still be true with both of them, but the the head and shoulders, them along with Arriubé, the the head and shoulders, some of the best players in our team, you know. And J- David tumbo in particular, he, he doesn't look like someone of his age. He looks at like somebody that's about thirty and has been about and had a lot of experience in a lot of different leagues because he's a he's a tremendous player. They're, they're so they're so comfortable on <laughs> the ball, which is something that. So, what's that?
0: I take it you mean he looks like he's thirty in terms of his football and ability rather than his personal looks.
1: Well he's not he's not got the greatest of hairline either, so if he does look, know that I can speak He does does look a wee bit older as well, aye, but no, he's just the way he I trust to the
0: singing barbers for him, is
1: it? I he does go there actually, aye. I saw him up at he was up at the reserve, I went up to the reserves game with Andy last week and he was sitting in front of us actually and I did say like I can appreciate when a man's got kinda of thinning hair, kinda of hanging it, he does a good job with it. I did I did see that from behind aye, he's got quite a good barnet. Like. Eh no the <laughs> I remember my train of thought there, no, we've, we've struggled in the last couple of years since the likes of Louis Moult and Marvin Johnson have left us, we've struggled for, we've struggled to get footballers into the team, we've had a lot of these good athletes and people that will run all day fee and things, but we've we've not had people that are really comfortable in the ball, that want the ball all the time, like a long shot, can chip in with assists, chip in with goals, and thankfully run about the same time with Unearthed 2 from our own academy and Tumble and Hasty, and either they are the... The, the the two of them are a sort of joint talisman figure in the team at the moment they're they're absolutely they're absolutely carrying and their inclusion in the team has has lifted the rest of the team because you've seen the likes of Richard Tate, Liam Grimshaw, Rodriguez Goran that are all they they're all looking four times the player they were before Christmas and yeah obviously it's up it's up to themselves because they've they've improved their game but the 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 and sort of fortunes as. You've got to thank Tumble and Hasty for what they've done because as them that have dragged the team up to where they are now.
0: I guess the sort of next situation you have in terms of those guys is keeping a hold of them. Um, and it might look like well, certainly if rumours are to be believed that Hasty might be off to Rangers. Do you think that has any substance, or do you think that he will sign a new deal? Um or rather, do you what do you think he should do?
1: Yeah, well, Obviously, the two of them since they came into the team, you can only have these players in the team for a few games now, and you're getting speculation right away. Tumbles mm. Tumbles done the right thing, signing. So I think he'll, I think his contract actually goes to not the end of next season, but the end of the season after. But in reality, and he's even kind of said in interviews himself. He reckoned, like he kind of, he's kind of hinted at it before. He reckons he'll, he'll be us to the end of next year. Then he'll look to move on, and that is the way to do it. You know, come in. He's come in sort of quarter way through a season. He came into the team, made the big impact. Come in. He can get another pre-season under him, hopefully kick on again, then get a solid full season. And then, at that stage, he's more than earned the right to go, and it, it suits him, because he'll get on to a bigger club, but it would suit it would suit Motherwell at that stage as well, because he's still got a year left in his contract, so we would get money for him. So that that's uh, that's part of the deal for these young players. You know, you, you don't want them moving on for nothing, as the case could be with Hasty. I know that uh, Hasty has a, a, deal, had a deal offered to him, and he's, I think he's sort of mulling... A few decisions over, as has been widely spoken about in the last few days. Turnbull was in the same situation as well. Just a couple of months ago, I mean, people would have had you knowing that there was absolutely no way he was staying at the club and that it was off. And that that was the kind of feeling that you were getting. And then out of nowhere, he just it just penned the deal. I mean, Stephen Craigan was in the paper saying that his agent was a bit of a money grabber, and Robinson and everything was talking about how he was even his head turned and everything. So I don't know if he if he dumped the agent or if the club managed just to kind of win the the moral battle. we or not know, but he seemed to see the light and do probably the right thing for his development and for the club that have brought him through because, you know, yeah, they're, they're brilliant players, but they need a platform and it's, it's Motherwell that have given them it, you know. So, yeah, tum- Tumble did the right thing, signed on. Hasty, I've still I've still got a feeling, yeah, people would have you know that the move to Rangers is all but done, but I think when these young players come through at Motherwell, there's a lot of examples that you can give to them of players that have, obviously you can look back at your McFadden's, your Pearson's, your Hamels, your Lazs, they've all... Came through, done really well, got moves down south, all the rest of it, made a bit of money. But for, for every one of them, I think the example of Paul Slane should always be sort uh, uh, should always be shown to these players as well. I mean Paul Slane burst onto the scene for us a few years ago in a European campaign under Jim Gannon. Him and Ross Forbes burst through and they were they were brilliant in that campaign. Supposedly we we're going to sell them for ten million or the rest of it eh, uh, Slane picked up an injury, and then during his injury, Celtic signed him up in the pre-contract, and he went there, his dad was a big Celtic fan, all the rest of it, so he was persuaded to go there, and then, we all know what happened For there, he never really kicked a ball, went right into their youth teams, I mean, he was one of the best players as well, eh, uh, right into their youth teams, eventually he was released with £10,000 or something, went to Amsterdam, we all know where his exploits were there, and then he just kind of filtered down through the leagues, through the leagues for a couple of years, and now I think he's coaching kids, you know, which is an absolute sin, and... Yeah, I, I don't deny that Jake Hasty's probably got a more professional and definitely a better head on his shoulders than Slain did at that time, but that that's kind of what can happen to you if you move on too soon because that, that's that's what happened to Slane. So, yeah, I think that he's got a big, big decision to make here Tasty, and I, I feel that, obviously I'm a bit biased because I'm looking at it from a Motherwell point of view, but I can't help but feel, I mean, at the beginning of the season he was loaned out to Aloha, he's only came back and played 11, 12 games or something for us. You can't help but feel that yeah, his trajectory has been very, very upward, very, very quickly. But you can't help but feel that uh, another solid season at Motherwell let him get that a sort of dip that all young players have out the way in an environment where he'll still be he'll be guided through it. He'll still be playing every week rather than go to Rangers, where he might end up just good through a dip and then end up in the reserves and end up back at us in loan and all the rest of it. Aye, uh, for for himself and the club. Uh, I think a new contract would be best. And to be honest, I can see him signing it because, as I say, Turnbull was in a similar situation as well, whatever they thought. That was him, he was off and it was a, a foregone conclusion. So I, I can see something coming out this week that he signs on. Even if it's even if he is desperate to go in the summer, let's just say if he's adamant that's what he wants to do, I think for the good of the club who have brought him through and done him a good turn, I think he should, almost like a Morelos-type situation, he should sign a contract to end the next season so that if a club wants him that badly in the summer... They can come in and give money for them, and if their interest suddenly wanes because they need to give money for them, well, you can come in and say, "Well, that's what they really think of you." So, I I think a new contract model would be best for all round.
0: Hmm. So you'll be hoping his uh, surname isn't reflective of his personality then.
1: He uh, I was thinking that." <laughs> it's, a, um, it's a headline
0: all over in it. Uh, in terms of next week, obviously away at Hibbs. I think that was your first game of the season, wasn't it? Back to yes. the sort of third round of fixtures. Do you? Uh, what do you see for that one? Do you see that being uh, season defining in term terms of top bottom six?
1: Well, uh, it's it's a huge game to start with. There's there's absolutely no doubt about that. You know what it's like when when you go you'll know what it's like more than M D Rine teams uh, fans are smaller clubs will feel it. When you go on these uh, winning runs and when you're winning games all the time, you don't your confidence should grow throughout it. But you're always just waiting on a bad beating. You, know, you always feel like you've got to come back down to earth sometime and I, I've got a wee bit a sort of feeling about that, going to Hibs, to be honest, I think we can, we can go there and win the game, absolutely no doubt, we've got nothing to fear, uh, it's it's credit to the players, credit to the management as well, that we've got ourselves in a position, in the space of a month or two, we we're going to Hibs, and if we win that, we're in the top six, because it looked absolutely undoable a few months ago, you would never have thought we'd be in this position, so got to put it into perspective, and just think about that, so the game's maybe not just as massive as we might think it's going to be, but, uh, yeah, I, I struggle to see us winning at We went there early in the season, in the first day, and we were really, really poor. It's not a not a place under Robinson that we've performed very well at all at home. We're quite good against them, but we're, we're no great at Easter Road under under Stephen Robinson. So, no, I, I struggle to see us winning the game, but at the same time, you know, a, a lot of it does... If uh, Turnbull and Haste, they go, and they're, they're really, really on form, they, they can drag us up. They've got the ability to do that. They've done that over the course of a couple of months, so... A wee bit of hasty magic like we've seen against Hibbs St. Mirren. A wee bit of hasty magic. We uh, uh, tumbles, he's chipped in with a right few goals as well, something like that can could be all the difference. I I would think if we if we do go through at Hibbs and get beat, yeah, our chances of top six are looking pretty slim. But again, we'll be sitting in seventh, probably probably still a couple of points clear. In seventh place, so you can't really you know, that's where we finished last season and considering the fact we're in about Christmas, we were looking at like relegation candidates. Again, got to contextualize it a wee bit, but I we've put ourselves in a right good opportunity. It's a hard, hard game, no doubt about it, but I don't don't see why we couldn't win.
0: Okay, good good see a, a wee bit of positive positivity injected at the end there. Um, Fisher, I think it's safe to say Brian Rice was raging as <laughs> Hamilton players after Absolutely this game. Um, the honeymoon period for them appears to have uh, disappeared. I mean, this is a Hamilton team that came up to Aberdeen, although be it Aberdeen are Shite at home um, <laughs> and won.
2: What happened? Like,
0: what's gone wrong?
2: I suppose if the stereotypical thing to say is, it's maybe just the the, the new manager bounce. Um, they've came back to the ground, perhaps. Uh, but no, I think <laughs> the, the thing is I think they've just kinda of reverted to the mean, really. They're, Hamilton aren't a great team. Um, in my opinion. Obviously the, the Brian Rice has come in, it's been a bit of a new approach with the way they've they've um they've gone at teams and obviously confidence would have been would have been really high after the first couple of results. Obviously Rangers went there and <clears throat> and beat them convincingly and they've kinda of dropped off since. So I don't know if it's maybe just confidence has been dented things like that couple it with the fact that model had been doing really really well recently um, also um, as i think it's just a case of they they obviously the first couple of games they, they did really really well um, but they they they've just faced out a model team that's that's high on confidence and really really good form and to be honest never mind Hamilton I don't think Rangers or Celtic would really fancy going to play Motherwell at this point uh, either so um, I just think it's a case of they're not a great team and they were playing a team that's high on confidence and in good form
1: For what, yeah. for what I saw Hamilton yesterday they were, they were really really poor that's the it was definitely the worst that I've seen them coming to third park in years maybe ever to be honest they, they offered <laughs> absolutely nothing I mean Hamilton's strengths over the years as we all know is how stuffy they can be and how they scrap their way through a game and make a point out of it or whatever. But it's it looked to me yesterday like they kinda came out and don't get me wrong I'm not trying to say that we are an unmatchable side or anything, but it looked to me like they tried to go kinda toe toe ways and I think overall with especially going forward, whether like see your Aribis, your Tumbles, your Hasties, your Gorans, I think man for man, we're a wee bit better than them at this moment in time. So yeah, I think uh, Brian uh, Brian Rice, as much as he's been very, very, he's, he's been good in there he ha, they have seen a wee improvement in them it's been up and down but I I think they. I think he maybe got it he'll know better than me obviously but I think he maybe got it a wee bit wrong yesterday and by the time they could rectify it they were two goals down and there was not too much they could do about it
0: aye perhaps we wee bit worrying now that they've lost the most games in the division conceded the joint most goals and have scored the least goals so I think he's uh, sort of oh. Woken up and smelled the coffee And realised that they are indeed In a relegation battle um, Get uh, them down <laughs> Aye um, I'll not uh, pass comment on that um, Given me like to talk up the Scottish game Fisher <laughs> <laughs> just, just get them down Yeah that's just going to clip that and post it as a, a Twitter <laughs> uh, audio <laughs> um, <laughs> Moving on Celtic nil, Aberdeen nil. A thrilling 0-0 never thought I'd see the day that uh, Aberdeen would go to Celtic Park um, and play a 0-0 draw I think it's the first time since 1994 Aberdeen and Celtic have drawn 0-0 uh, home at, well, at Celtic Park or uh, the Sort of game seemed to be very reminiscent of when Aberdeen went there on the last day of last season and won, uh, defended extremely well
1: the chances as well eh uh, exactly you, yeah, and and then, middle, uh, you thought oh, maybe Celtic just as you do you think oh, maybe Celtic have been a wee bit all over them and Celtic haven't finished and Aberdeen have just defended well and the rest of it but no is that second half war on they'd they'd a right good few chances
0: uh, they'll be uh, gutted didn't score um and especially <laughs> Stevie May's chance at the end. I mean I think I've made my, my feelings pretty clear about Stevie May on this podcast over previous weeks and it just seems like he enjoys missing good chances. I don't I think you can see like from the clip he, he seems to have no remorse or shock that he misses a chance. He just sort of sees it go a mile wide, accepts it and runs away while everyone else is standing with their hands on their head like how the fuck has he not scored that but I think it's just become a uh, part of him uh, that he just doesn't score unless it's He's from the penalty gimmick. spot yeah it <laughs> seems that it's not a very good gimmick when you're a striker but <laughs> it appears to be his eye but Aberdeen's good away form continues we were going for eight straight away victories which would have been a club record but it's now eight unbeaten on the road which is just extremely weird given They've only beat Queen of the South at home this this year. It's just night and day when Aberdeen go away from home compared to playing at home at the minute. I don't know, it's probably just the, the fact they enjoy playing the counter attack um, in terms of they can't really break teams down at home. And I think you've seen that with Celtic sort of coming on to Aberdeen. They, that's when they got their chances in the second half. And I think... Uh, Big thing to point out from the game was the youth that was involved in that Aberdeen team. I think everyone likes to make a point of the experience in terms of Shinne, Considine, but McKenna's 22, Cosgrove was 22, Ferguson's 19, McLennan's 19, Max Lowe's 21, albeit not an Aberdeen player. Dean Campbell, 17, and Ethan Ross, 17. And Campbell, by all accounts, came on at half-time and changed the game was I mean, which is almost a ridiculous thing to say when he's coming on as a centre midfielder, seventeen years old, at Celtic Park against Scott Brown, one of the best midfielders in the league, and turn turns a game on its head to sort of allow Aberdeen to have a bit more of an attack and threat. Almost hopefully picking up that, that Kenny McLean role that we've missed since he left. Um so positive signs for the future there in terms of Aberdeen's um with the age of those guys, and as you say Lewis, that it's just unfortunate that Aberdeen couldn't score. Um, but in terms of Celtic, they dropped points when they looked like they could have wrapped it up, Fisher, um, as, you, as you know well. What do you think? Do you think it was just the case of Aberdeen defending well? Or
2: Celtic didn't start
0: with an out-and-out striker in this game. Do you think that it was a tactical error from Lennon in that sense? What did you make of, of the game in general?
2: Um, just kind of looking at the highlights. Obviously, as you said, it was it was fairly, fairly even. Both goalkeepers have have had to make a couple of good saves each. Um, really, and obviously, as you were saying, uh, poor Stevie May, uh, with with a great chance towards the end. Um, it just looked like it looked like in great form away from away from Pataudry. They looked like they made it really difficult for Celtic, and obviously Lennon's came out and said that. Um, he feels that they were they're psychologically tired or something like that. Mm-hmm. Fatigued. Sorry, was the was the was too the many tears. Too many tears for Brendan in the dressing room, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I think um, I never I really didn't expect Aberdeen. I never do to be fair. No offence to expect Aberdeen to get anything from Parkhead, uh, but you're not alone. They, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and but they looked like they played really well, as you said. They were they were fairly solid defensively. Celtic had a couple of good chances. The Edward probably should have scored. Uh, to be honest, um, but a good performance from Aberdeen. Celtic. That's just kind of what I was saying earlier, I don't think Celtic are a particularly good team this season. I certainly don't think they're any better with Lennon in charge than they were with Rogers. Um, we're just Rangers uh, I should say just aren't good enough to take or take advantage even ahead of time with results like this, which is frustrating. Um but, you know, Celtic have uh, kinda of speaking to a couple of Celtic fans recently they've said under them they weren't great. Um under you know willing Willen against Hearts or against Hibs Um and obviously Aberdeen, as I say, are high in confidence away from home, so it's probably just a combination of those factors.
0: Hmm. Uh Good to hear you have been engaging with the other side um, and nice <laughs> I friendly debate. By, I should say,
2: by the way, it's not like Lewis or Hamish or whatever I named them. It's like folk and work. So okay. Like it, yeah, when uh, I have to, you know, and I'm contractually obliged to speak to people I'm working with. Then... Contractually, is it actually in your contract? Is it? you have to speak with Celtic fans yes <laughs> um, Lewis in terms
0: of Aberdeen it's performances away from home um, that are sort of ticking over the points board at the minute which makes it probably a wee bit more frustrating for them that they're not picking up the sort of routine wins as you'd expect against the Hamiltons and St at home to keep in sort of touch with Rangers at the, in second place isn't it
1: yeah i definitely as i think as i've said before on the podcast Aber- you always associate aberdeen with being really strong at home it's it's the, one of the one of the hardest places to go in scottish football and it has been for a few years now ever since Derek McInnes went in up there it's a, it's a strange one as you say it's some, something you very very seldom hear about to be honest that eh, that a team wins so much away from home but then just can't seem to buy a victory at home and as i say having having watched uh, having watched Hamilton on Saturday, uh, yeah, I heard a few folk running about me saying, "How the hell did they go to Aberdeen and uh, and win two to nothing? Because they they had absolutely nothing." So, uh, uh, you must be you must be shocking at home. You really must have Aber if Hamilton went and sh- scudded you two nothing. So, uh, aye, it's uh, it's a really strange situation. But on on Celtic, I know that quite a lot of the Celtic fans was a baffled yesterday with uh, Lennon making the two the two substitutes at half time. I think that there was people saying that, you know, Brendan Rodgers, uh, Celt- at half-time, although Celtic weren't really creating much and they, they didn't have the, they also didn't have an out-and-out striker in the park, they did have this alliance uh, share of possession, as they always do at Parkhead, and I think when Brendan Rodgers was there, it's th- that's the kind of time where he would maybe have stayed calm and knowing that the chances are they're going to get one chance and they'll take it, and if they always relied on that we keep a clean sheet, whereas... Lennon kind of charged into two subs at half-time, and then supposedly kind of upset their rhythm, because they, for what, obviously I just saw the highlights, but for what I've spoken to Celtic fans as well, and they've uh, they said that they, they were much better in the first half than they were in the second half, and that was obviously when Aberdeen had their chances as well. So yeah, what, what just kind of wrung home with me a wee bit about it, was that, if, I think if Brendan Rodgers was in charge of Celtic, if this was four weeks ago, I think they won that game, won nothing. You know, whereas, as much as I wouldn't like them to, especially for your sake, right, uh, I think they do win that game when nothing, they come out in the second half, they get a goal, and they win it, and they keep their clean sheet, and they see it out, but, you know, a few years ago, when Neil Lennon was there, especially in his last season or two, yeah, they were brilliant in Europe, that he pulled out the results there, and they still did enough domestically to always win the league, and I've done so credit to them for that, but, Celtic at times were quite kind of ordinary under Lennon, and if he got them on a day when they weren't at 100%, you felt you kind of could get at them. I mean, we beat them and drew with them, for Park and Lennon's last year there. So, yeah, I I can kind of feel that domestically anyway that, that with the way Lennon plays football, Celtic maybe have slightly and will maybe as it goes in the future regress a wee bit and become a wee bit more sort of a, a wee bit more sort of that you can get at them. So maybe maybe yesterday was just a, a wee sign of that because that's the kind of result that you could have seen coming up under Lennon's tenure before, but not the kind of thing that would have happened under Brendan Rodgers.
0: I mean, I think Aberdeen had got to something like 28 straight league defeats at Celtic Park, something ridiculous like that. Mm -hmm.
1: And although Um, I've just said that, it should be noted that they went and won there on Trophy Day, the end of the season, so... uh, Well, I mean, since
0: since Brendan Rodgers came in, Aberdeen have taken Obviously, I'm aware that Brendan Rodgers is no longer manager, but i have taken four points at Celtic Park and none at home. But um, <laughs> madness considering that uh, form that preceded that. Uh, moving on, in fact, Fisher. While you're here, uh, Tuesday night, big game for both of us. Um, how do you see that one going?
2: Uh, pretty sure we'll pump you, mate. Cool. To be honest. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I think it'll be. I think it'll be tough. Uh, it's our biggest game of the season. Uh, I saw enough in the second half at Pataudry and I've seen enough against Aberdeen uh, so far this season to think that when we when we get going, we, we are a better team, but Aberdeen seem to have this habit, obviously the, the 4-2 games is the exception, but have this habit of making it really difficult for us, um, kind of drawing us into how Aberdeen like to play as opposed to our own game. Um, <laughs> So I think it'll be very, very tight. I'm hoping though that we can come out and I think I hope the players are frustrated after Friday night and just want to get out and get out on Tuesday um, and put Aberdeen away relatively early, um like we did against Comarnock, that would be the ideal situation. But um what about yourself? How are you feeling about it?
0: Well, given the sort of away record, I'm pretty confident I mean we haven't beat Rangers at home this season that's uh, three games at home we've not won any but both games in Glasgow we've won so it just seems to be weirdly Aberdeen's form this season's completely flipped in comparison to the years previous so mm-hmm. I don't know I, I could actually see it going all the way to penalties and then obviously once you get there you don't really know what's happening Um I fucking hope not <laughs> um, just given that uh, the games this season have been so tightly contested even the the 4-2 game I would suggest Aberdeen were unlucky not to come away with a point in the second half um
2: yeah well, that's what we, we were talking about about uh, how because Rangers were really really good in the first half and then in the second half Ab- we let Aberdeen come into it and you know you have probably get a, a fair shout there to be honest
0: mm, I'll go and say penalties and then given that I've never seen Aberdeen lose a penalty shoot and I'm going he'll say we'll win in penalties <laughs> Um, but I didn't expect a, a much different prediction from you, predicting Rangers to go through. If you
2: see, I I was I was honestly joking about that the first bit, so please don't like cut that out. And if we get beat on Tuesday, post it on it or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm joke. I, I, th- I do think I do think it'll win, but I do think it will be a t- a tough one. And I think if we don't score early, um, given I know what Ibrox is like, I think it will get very kind of um, touchy in terms of the atmosphere. People start getting hopefully we don't but i can just tell with with dropping points on friday um and there really is a big want within the support to finally get um a trophy after being away so i think if it's if it's tight the atmosphere will be really really tense and um, throughout the throughout the game
0: yeah uh one to look forward to on tuesday um ridiculous that's not on the tv um has to be said but I think that's a debate for another day, and one that we've had a few times on this podcast. So we will move on. Um, another big result of the weekend, Lovingston 3, St Johnston 1. Um, should probably focus on Lovey first, given another positive result from them. Lewis, they've kind of resurrected their home form, what, two decent home wins in a row.
1: Yeah, they definitely have, which was, uh, it was, as we all know, it was so important to them earlier on in the season, when they came up, and... I think I think we all, well, we did our predictions at the start of the season, we all, we all had them been been right down there, and then they came in at the beginning of the season, and they, they were brilliant, they were, I mean, it was a tough place to go, and I mean, Celtic and Rangers struggled there, Everybody did, to be honest, so, obviously, then, when about Christmas after the winter break and everything, they, they started to struggle, I think they, I mean, they've got a very, very small squad, which is understandable, because they, they don't draw a huge crowd, so they, they can't carry a, a big roster of players, so... I uh, they've got a small squad, and I think maybe it's the <laughs> what? Oh, what roster. Aye, well, I just I just said the word squad, so I wanted to change it up, alright? roster, <laughs> right? Uh, no, so, it's just your your,
0: pronun- your pronunciation of your your uh, North Lanarkshire accent of the word roster comes
2: across as something different. But roster, continue, continue. <laughs> He's not. You're not getting. <laughs>
1: no, nah, I'm not. I'm not caught one at all. Uh, a <laughs> <right>, anyway. <laughs> So, I I think when the when the games started mounting up before Christmas and after Christmas night and, and cup games started getting into it, I think, eh, I think obviously it took its toll on the squad. But they've they've sort of regrouped and they're they're back together. Signing a good manager in Gary Hall. I thought yesterday when I was at the game and I heard that St. Johnson had gone one up. I would have, I would never have thought that Livingston would have gone to win the game because we all know how stubborn St. Johnson can be and how good they are at defending a lead, especially away from home. So, aye, I was I, I was quite surprised to see them come back and win it. But fair play to them, and I think if I was a eh, if I was St Johnson, I think you would be quite alarmed at the goals Livingston scored because I think two of them came from two of them came from crosses, one of them was a, wee, a low ball in which was really really poor defended and that's never something you associate St Johnson with, as poor defending as, as we all know, I think all our teams this season and the last year at least have all been scuppered up to St Johnson when you've not really expected it so aye, a wee bit worrying, worrying for Tommy Wright how easy some of Livingston's goals were but all credit, all
0: credit to Livingston for bouncing back with a good one. Uh, Fisher, St Johnston are rotten at the minute. That's nine games without a win, eight defeats, and of course that uh, nil-nil draw at Ibrox, which you'll be happy to see. What, what has happened to St Johnston? Who we have? Just kind of associated with a decent top six team over the the past three or four years, they put that sort of decent run together of wins in the middle of the season around the winter break. But now they're just they're falling to pieces.
2: Yeah, it's almost as if um, kind of it's just what like one of those teams where there isn't really a lot for them to play for. They're kind of comfortably mid table. Um, and, yeah, they've, they've kind of had their purple patch of the season, if you like. I've, I mean, just look, watching the highlights earlier, pretty much every goal was kind of like a mistake, which is quite unfortunate um, for them. I just think, uh, again, when you look at the with obviously the old firm, the teams above them are all really, really strong as well. Um, and obviously Motherwell, who are just above them now in seventh, um, as we've mentioned, have, have been in cracking form. Um, I just think St Johnston. I I think if you take away that kind of patch in the middle of the season, it's a really, really ordinary campaign for them so far, isn't it? Mm. Um, They've not really done much of note, obviously, out of the cup competitions uh, without really much of a run or anything like that. So, um, yeah, just uh, it uh, is surprising, as you say, because we expect them to be kind of consistently... Um, in kind of fifth or sixth position, but uh, a really, really poor campaign, and obviously Tommy Wright's extended his contract and things like that. Um, but I'm sure, as I say, that they're, they're, they're absolutely fine in terms of, of where they're sitting in the table. Yep. Um.
0: Unless there's anything else anyone wants to touch on with this game, I think we can move on.
1: Mhm.
0: Um. Dundee nil. Hearts one. Uh. You could possibly say Dundee were unlucky not to pick anything up in this game given that the chances that they had. Uh, Zlamal forced into a couple of decent saves to sort of protect Hearts' um, three points but Lewis it's the first sort of decent performance well, at a push Hearts have had in a while. It end's a terrible run of form. 1-1-5 one, one, now. Um, where are they going to end up this season?
1: I uh, I think Hearts will still make the top six. It it feels like, I mean, uh, Hearts weren't great at points last year either. But you just always feel like that they, they, they just hang in there and they just do just enough. At the moment, there's yeah they got that win yesterday, but up until yesterday, there's no doubt they were they were resting on the the terrific form earlier in the season and that that was kind of carrying them through because obviously if you remember earlier in the season there was talk of them maybe having a a title challenge with Celtic and everything. And then they've just as they've get worse, they've just kind of slowly slid down, and they've just been kind of a line, and the points they've they've had banked to keep them and keep them in the top six. But obviously, I think the the they only can end kind of it by about five points now, aren't they? I think they're only five points above uh, Hibs. I think in six, so yeah, it's uh, it's not out with the question that they could they could fall out of that top six, but. I yesterday was a, a much needed win for them. As you say, I watched the highlights and it was a right topsy turvy game. Dundee definitely had chances, maybe more chances than Hearts actually. And I they'll feel they'll feel unlucky not to get something out of the game. But it was it was a long time coming for Hearts, and maybe this might a, 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 a scrappy one like that might start them on the start them on the path to having a good end to the season again.
0: Mm. well they are just Hearts are now 20 points behind Celtic so just tucked in behind them in that title title <laughs> race um, Kenny Miller was on uh, Sports Scene Fisher and he didn't really seem too keen to get involved in the part surrounding his missed chance did he? he was <laughs> very um, adamant that it was a good save do you think he should be burying that?
2: Uh, you would expect somebody like, like Kenny Miller be, with his experience to be finishing that the thing is with Kenny Miller and this has been something that I've seen. Any time I've I've seen Kenny Miller, whether it obviously be at Rangers or previous clubs, see the ones where he has time to think about it. They're all he always seems to make a mess of. Um, <laughs> it's the ones whereby it's just kind of natural. He's he's brilliant at finishing them. Um, and that one he's got a little bit of time supposed to think about it. Uh, but yeah, he didn't seem <laughs> didn't seem very pleased, did he?
0: No, he he also sort of mentioned Dundee should be fine if they. Turning performances like that But it's getting to the stage of the season Where there's nine games left They don't really have much room for error Anymore um, In terms of turning in good performances And getting beat I mean you mentioned the, the Hibs game Where they were beat uh, 4-2 um, Where they did score a couple of offside goals But they need to start making performances count That's now three straight defeats While Hamilton and St Mirren have picked up wins In that time
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see the improvement on Dundee prior. Uh, you know, after um, the kind of winter break, they do. They do look like a better team. They're certainly by no means the worst team in the league, in my opinion. Um, but as you say, there's there is three points in it between them and Hamilton. As we were saying earlier, about Hamilton, I, I think. I don't know, I, th- I think it'd be difficult for them to find um, the kind of momentum that they need as well. So it is going to be really tight. But I've, from what I've seen at Dundee, I really do think that they, they will get out of it. And I do agree um, with Kenny Miller. I think if they do turn in performances like that, then uh, they will be fine. They've got, I mean, you, watching the highlights, not just obviously the Miller chance that we touched on, but they did force, as we said, a really good couple of saves from Zermal, um as well. Um, and they, as I say, they are they are a much better team uh, than they were at the start of the season. So I I would predict out of efforts out of the three of them, I really do think Dundee are going to stay up.
1: They've got so, many, got so many new players in there as well. Dundee they signed yeah. a, a team of whole new players in January, and it's a it's a hard time that to sign a lot of players and expect them to just come in and gel instantly. This as we all know, it's much better Absolutely. much better doing that over over a pre season or whatever. So you might find that actually as the season wears on and we get into the split and all that. They might start gelling together and they might claw together there's two or three wins that would probably pull them clear of the pack to be honest uh,
2: realistically with the form i mean i suppose we can probably we're all expecting st run to go are we yes i i think they'll be going. Yeah. i think they might kind of so, rally against that it, but it'll be too little too late um and obviously you've got i mean just it would only take in my opinion two or three wins and and Dundee will stay up because as I mentioned when we were speaking about them I really don't think Hamilton are, are a great side at oh. all and I think Dundee have just got that little bit more quality about them um, to, to get the wins when it matters aye definitely
0: Um, you mentioned uh, well sorry maybe uh, Andrew Davies is having a bigger impact behind the scenes than he was intended to have on the pitch you mentioned mm-hmm. St Mirren there we obviously have only covered 5 games because St and Kilmarnock is on Monday night, it might have already taken place by the time you listen to this, but quickly guys, I want to score a prediction from both of you.
1: I will go 2-0 Kilmarnock, that was just what I was going to say. Uh, I'll go 2-1 Kilmarnock, I fancy the Saints to get a wee goal then.
0: Okay, I'll say one one just for uh, (laughs)
1: diversity.
0: Yeah, it could have been different. And I was going to touch on it earlier, um, but I thought we'd uh, leave it for now. Obviously, the Tavernier incident after the Hibs game, uh, everyone will be well aware of. Hibs fan ran on the pitch. uh, Well, uh, reluctant to call a fan um obviously a week after sinclair was had a, a bottle of buckfast launch launched at him from the same area of the ground in the have end has to be said obviously incidents of photography as well and further afield incidents down in england in terms of well, Jack Grealish was literally punched in the head, and I think another fan ran on the pitch in the uh, Man United Arsenal game.
2: I ran, ran. Uh, well, it was kind of he was more just celebrating, but he did run and have a go at Chris Mullen as well.
0: Mm. Um, it, I was saying to I can't remember who I was speaking to, but it appears the more that this stuff is getting called out, um, the more it's happening, um, and I think this season alone has just been an absolute tsunami of it's just been a tsunami of incidents it seems like every single week we're um having uh, debates about what happens what do we do in terms of fan trouble so i am going to ask you both what do you see the resolution as to being loose do you think that strict liability is something that should be adopted do you think part stadium closures um, what do you see as the best course of action?
1: Bring back sectarianism. How how much how much easier was it a few weeks ago when all we were doing was morning of it was a uh, was fans singing songs, you know. Now we've got now we've got people running onto the pitch with bottles and all the rest of it. Let's say, aye. Cool. There's
0: another wee clip that I will put on Twitter. <laughs> bring back sectarianism.
1: Aye, really, that one will go back to haunt me in future years. Hey, aye, it's. Um, I think, uh, nobody likes to see it, players or fans, players don't want to play in empty stadiums and all the rest of it, but I, I genuinely think, and I wouldn't like to see this happen either, you'd be gutted if it happened again. you were at, but the only way to stop this is, genuinely, for the next time this happens, Scott Brown actually, know somebody that I often agree with things that come out of his mouth, but he was in the papers today, talking about how he actually worries as a player that the next thing will be that a fan comes on the pitch and they've actually got some sort of wet on them to go at a player with, I can see why players are thinking that because it, it's turning into I mean it's far from a freak incident now you know that's hmm. multiple times up and down the country in the last couple of weeks there it's happened so I can see why the players are maybe starting to fear for their safety a wee bit and I would imagine that cumulatively it will be something they're speaking about and I, I don't uh, until this happens one day uh, you know there's, there's going to be one that happens and it's really bad and it's going to injure the player they've all been fine so far thankfully but something's going to happen and it's going to hurt the player, there's gonna be a fighting for, or the player hurts the fan or something. There's gonna be something. And I don't think until maybe until one happens where the referee just takes the game by the scuff of the neck and just says, Right, we're off, we're out we? here, the game's abandoned and that's it and then the fans go home with, with no result for the game I I think it's going to take things like that to stop it. I think when it when it gets to the point where people know well, if I trick that bottle on the pitch ultimately, you know, this this game's gonna get called off and they would get caned for footing about them because for them, I don't think the game being called off would necessarily be a bad thing because, as you said yourself earlier, Ryan, these, these people aren't fans; they're just idiots. And unfortunately, football with a tribal nature of it. it, it does attract these folk. But I, I think uh, you know if they knew that, oh, if I get chucked, if I chuck this bottle, at a player, a the some or whatever, and then I get seen to be doing it, I'll I'll go home in an ambulance for the rest of these fans that have paid good money to get in here. You know so. Yeah, I, I, as much as we'd like to see it, it it's going to be, it, it's going to take something drastic, it's going to take the game to get abandoned or even dare I say it's strict liability or something to to stamp it out.
0: Fisher, in terms of strict liability and sort of, we not, we're not calling them fans, but in that sense, would these people care then in terms of, do they care that their team's getting points deducted, parts stadiums are being closed if they're willing to chuck a half bottle of my well, half glass bottle of a football player do they do they care
2: um probably probably not if they're stupid enough to be doing that um it's just not a it's weird because i know obviously we talk about uh the kind of emotion in football and things like that and being caught up in the atmosphere but i don't <laughs> think it's ever like came come across anyone's ra any rational thinking person that oh I'm gonna chuck whether it be a coin or a bottle, or I'm gonna go in the park and confront uh, an opposition player. Mm. So I, I just think these people, as I say, they're, they're idiots, um, and they're not proper football supporters. Um, and I, I just I don't I don't see where we what when do we draw the line? Um, not to just pick on Hibs, but obviously we all know what happened in the Scottish Cup final three years ago, almost. Um, the showpiece event if you like in scottish football and there was nothing done now we've got as i say and, and just for parity's sake the rangers fan threw the chair on the we were throwing the chairs on the park Easter road as well um <laughs> are arseholes and should be banned um the rangers fan that struck the um linesman on the head uh, at Livingston with a coin as well as a fucking idiot and should be banned so i'm not just picking on hibs but we saw what happened in that cup final and nothing was done so i'm not entirely confident that anything major is going to happen here they keep talking about strict liability and all these kind of things but it seems to just be the current climate's go-to term if you like or go to um solution just strict liability strict liability and actually nothing gets done i did think though to be fair leanne dempster interview on bt sport was actually very very good Mm -hmm. um and she seemed Absolutely livid, Mm -hmm. which I don't blame her because Hibbs have had enough bad press, obviously, with the Sinclair incident as well. Um, And I think that her approach was the correct one. Um, And obviously, that guy will be banned and and won't be back at Easter Road for the rest of his life, you would imagine. Um, So I just, but I'm I'm with Lewis, I don't understand what it's going to take. Is it going to take the bottle hitting, you know, Scott Sinclair in the head? Is it going to take. You know that fan to throw a punch at Tavernier. Um, what is it going to take for for action to be to be taken? Well,
0: it'll be interesting to see because I think there's obviously it's not new. It's not in terms of at this current point in the season. I mean, obviously Zlomal was punched earlier in the season, and then Neil Lennon got hit by a coin, and obviously. Even the the Steve Clark's incidents at Ibrox, I mean, in terms of, you mentioned parity, sake, we're not just picking on teams here. I think you could almost come up with an incident that's happened at every single club this season. Um, It's not great and it it doesn't, you can't market Scottish football um, when it's been sort of posted in such a bad light if you like and it is and nobody's doing themselves any favors and it's just continuing to get worse but there appears to be as you say it was good to see a responsibility being taken from leanne dempster at hibbs but elsewhere there seems to be a lack of responsibility from the governing bodies and i'll be interested to see how the fa in england deal with recent incidents compared Mm -hmm. to up here because i think statements are all very well and good um, from clubs and governing bodies alike, but they're, they're meaningless at the end of the day. These people <clears throat> that are uh, yeah. committing these watching? crimes or committing these acts aren't on Twitter reading statements, are they? I mean,
2: No. So, no. as I mean, you say, At the end of the day, I mean, it comes back to the, the point of, I mean, I was watching, as he watched the Arsenal Man United game, uh, and Graeme Souness hit the nail on the head for me, the club should name these individuals, ban them for life and let it be known that anybody else that does anything somewhere will get the same action, it's the only way that it's going to, I mean the clubs have to take responsibility and as as we said Leanne Dempster did take responsibility and, and fair play to her, she did come out and was very very strong and I was impressed with her interview and support. on the sport. but as I said hit the, hit the nail on the head for me, Clubs need to name them, ban them, um, and make it clear that it can't be accepted. Um, I don't know. I just in terms of like clo- closures or stand closures and things like that. I don't really know what the kind of guidelines or the rules that the SFA or whatever can can implement. If either you have better knowledge of
1: that, but I don't really hmm, see how sure. that would work in any way. Because if some that desperate that they're going to go to a game and. Smuggle up. I mean if you ever tried to get a, a fucking bottle into one of these games, do you know what I mean? It's it's you, you know, you you must have to go to some effort to get a half half bottle of buck fast into a game we so if somebody's that adamant that they're going to do that and they're going to throw it at a Scots and player, I don't honestly think that either a statement issued for the club or a stand closer is, is going to influence them because the chances are that folk are that on the that don't even follow the club on Twitter if they're going to do that so they'll go see the statement, and if the stand closes, and they're that adamant they want to do it, surely you God, they'll just go and sit in another one, you know what I mean, they'll just buy a ticket, for stand behind the goal, I mean,
2: I've seen it, I've seen it myself, I mean, in terms of, when you try and have a debate, and obviously, the, singing certain songs, and that's a completely different issue, to what, to what we're talking about here, but, if you try and have a, a kind of rational debate with somebody that's on the opposite point they always come back to oh i can do what i oh, yeah. do what i want mm-hmm. and it's kind, of, it's kind of similar with us as you say these people will just do what they want they don't care that the club's getting hammered they certainly don't think of the bigger picture in terms of um you know how the club's per, per, you know perceived and uh, in, in the wider media whereas genuine fans don't i mean i'm not going to say that that Most supporters really care what other supporters think of their club, but they certainly don't like to see the club's name dragged through the mud in the media. Um, But as I say, the the people like the guy, uh, with with the tavernier, whoever threw the bottle as well, uh, Scott Sinclair. uh, They don't care about how the club's viewed. They're only in it for themselves, and it's about them, and it's about um, how how they choose to conduct themselves, and they have no care for for how the club how the club that they are meant to be there to support uh, is viewed by anyone else
0: Yep, yeah, spot on um, I think we should return to the, back to on the field issues um, just to kind of round up the the rest of the football from other divisions this weekend uh, Dunfermline beat Allo 1-0 in the Championship Partick with a last minute goal um, against Dundee United. I'm sure you could have guessed something like that had happened, given the absence of uh, Tom McKinnon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Inverness to Queen of the South nil. Uh, Ross County to Morton nil. Is that Ross County won this league, guys? They're uh, eight points clear with a game in hand of Dundee United. Um, can anybody else sort of? make a case for any other team sort of catching them or
1: well, it can all change. But I think that's one thing that you can definitely say with the championship is that every single team in that league are all very capable of beating each other so yeah they've got a good lead at the top and if they'll be hoping they can hold on to it and yeah you would have them as strong favourites but aye as I say it's a league anybody can beat anybody and all it takes is for them to maybe lo- lose a game and then their confidence dips a wee bit and then before you know it you've got a title race right back on so I wouldn't quite say it's done but yeah, obviously, they've put themselves in the best position and they're well backed up there as we know. But uh, yeah, if, if they lose a get you, you could see the wheels come off. It was not one I would like to call or one I'd like to bet on.
2: I think, uh, I mean, you're looking at the table, County have got a game in hand over mm. uh, Dundee United uh, in Air and they've got two games in hand over Dunfermline, who are in fourth. And they've got a much superior goal difference uh, to anybody else as well that's near them. Um, I think it would take. Quite the capitulation, to be honest, for for them to be caught. Um, but as Lewis said, the, the championships thrown up a lot of surprises this year. So we'll wait and see. But I, I would, I would say I'm, I'm fairly confident County will be will be coming up.
0: Uh, final game in that uh, in the championship. Friday night football returned uh, to PVC Sport uh, as Falkirk beat Air to 0 who continued their amazing run of form. Puff will be uh, delighted at that one. Um, League One. Somehow Stenhouse Muir went to our broth 1 2 0 with 10 men. <laughs> Shock result 2 2 breaking and Forfar, East 5 3 Easton R 1 eh, Dumbarton 3 Montrose 1 eh, and Wraith with a win over Airdrie. Um, League 2 Berwick 1 Cowdenbeath 1. Eh, were you at any games this weekend, Lewis?
1: Eh, no, I was at Oakdale. Hi. right, at, right, oh, right. I was at the just double No, I was at Albion be Rovers Berwick last week, enjoyed that, but eh, no, no no, better a league game for another couple of weeks, I doubt. Alright, uh, other results? I've been winning two, two
2: games in one weekend, eh? I
0: know, I was going to come on to that. Obviously, amazing result away at Sterling with it, the 1-0 win, but yeah. uh, have been awarded the victory over Clyde after their recent points deduction, <laughs> which is exceptional result for Albion Rovers given it <laughs> somehow keeps him in touch with Berwick at the bottom of the table um i think that's what two two wins they have no yeah i think like they've three is it, is it three it's three aye. yeah um aye and t- was it six points or five points Clyde were deducted it was four six.
2: No, it was uh, it was six because it was two two wins that they they got overturned because they lost both games. So it's like so they've been basically they've lost both games three nil. Right, yeah. Aye, so
0: uh, Alvin Over obviously picked <laughs> picked up that one which was exceptional, and then obviously one at the weekend. So two wins in a weekend. have been spurred you said, on a, a wee bit sure.
1: as well. Obviously after the the draw against Beric last Saturday, the the goalkeeping coach kind of died suddenly in the Sunday night. Michael Jukes. Yeah. So. I, would, and I that was completely out of the blue. I mean he was he was there in Saturday, so I I would think that's maybe kinda of spurred them on a wee bit for the, the win at because that's no easy place to go under Kevin Rukovic as we all know.
0: Mm. Um good to see them finally get a wee bit of form together in terms of they got a draw last week and then a win this week. Um could be on their way to avoid a a relegation playoff with whoever the, the winner is of the Lowland and Highland League playoff. Other couple of results Elgin beat Clyde 2-1 uh, and finally Peerhead beat Annan 2-1 uh, that rounds us up and I think that's us done guys um, thanks for joining me um, it has been a pleasure having you back on Callum Fisher hopefully have you on a, a wee bit more in the future
2: yes hopefully mate it's been good talking to you both indeed
0: and of course Lewis Burrow. thank you
1: aye cheers for having us on Ryan pleasure again
0: right thank you Thank you for joining me and thank you for listening. Until next time, bye for now.